Hallelujah. Well, how many of you been enjoying the Holy Spirit experience? Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. He can continue and continue the rest of your life. Amen. And so we're just teaching principles in regards to our relationship with the Holy Spirit to help and assist you in your continuing communion with Him and uh, your awareness of His presence in your life. Amen. And so we're going to talk about some something very important here. We're going to talk about the spirit of unity and understanding that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of unity and that we are to endeavor to uh, towards one another to be in the spirit of unity, not only with who we go to church with here, but with the church, the body of Christ around the world. Amen? And uh, so we're going to be talking about that. But let's turn in our Bibles to John, the 14th chapter. John, the 14th chapter, and we're going to look at verse number 20 as an emphasis. But I want us to look at verse number 15 right off the bat. It'll be verse 20 that we'll be stopping on. But in verse number 15, he says, If you love me, you'll keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter or another helper, The word another, alos in the Greek, means one of the very exact same kind. So the Holy Spirit is not generic Jesus. The Holy Spirit is on the same level as the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus' ministry was operated through the Holy Spirit. So the same things that Jesus was able to do in his earthly ministry is the same things that the body of Christ is able to do in our ministry in the world today. Amen? And then he says, to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. Notice that he is called the spirit of truth, or as we shared with you, the spirit of reality. Amen? The spirit of reality. And praise God, Jesus is our reality. Amen. Is he your reality? He's my reality. Amen. Praise the Lord. And he goes on and he says, Whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him not nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you because he was upon Jesus and within Jesus, But he shall be in you. So there's going to be a transference when this day happens from the Spirit being upon Jesus exclusively to the Spirit coming within and coming upon the disciples. And praise God that continues today. Amen. Pentecost is continuous because when people are born again, they're born of the Spirit. When they're baptized in the Holy Spirit, Praise God, they're endued with power from on high, and they're able to operate just as Jesus did in the earth. Amen? Come on now. We are a new creation nation. Jesus was the beginning of a new species of being. Praise God. You're not just mere mortals. You are men, you know, Jesus was the God man. We are men and women with God inside. Amen? Amen. Praise God. We're a hybrid. We're a new creation. Praise God. The more you get an awareness of that, the more you'll be able to see the things that you desire to see and what the Word declares and what the Word tells us. Amen? Notice what he says. He will dwell, uh, he dwells with you and he will be in you. He says, notice this, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. 
Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. And because I live, you also will live. Amen? Now notice, here's here's the verse we're going to camp on here. It says, in that day, we got it, Kirby? That verse, first verse. Okay, in that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Okay? So that shows an aspect of the ministry of the Holy Spirit that I don't think we've truly emphasized. And that is making us one with God. The Holy Spirit has come to weave us in, to cause us to be one with the Father and one with the Son. Praise God. Come on now. We become one with Him. Amen? First Corinthians chapter 6 says, He that believes or he that's born of God is one spirit with Him. So that means that we are joined with Him. He is not separate from us. He's not necessarily someone that we bring into a situation. He's already in the situation. All we're doing when we call upon the name of the Lord is activating His presence in our lives. He is there, active and willing and ready to act on our behalf. He is the standby. Praise God. He is the one that is there to help us. He's not the doer, but he is the helper because we are one with him. So that means that I have a part and he has a part because we're one. Amen? So one of the main revelations is not just identification, but unification. Unification by the Spirit of God to the Father and to the Holy Spirit. Understanding that we are woven together. And that, praise God, in God's sight, there's no difference that where Jesus ends and where we begin, praise God, when God looks at us, he sees a son. Amen? He's imputed to us, not just imputed, because imputed means that it's just kind of like a a, a note, you know. uh, uh, We have become... The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. How were we able to become the righteousness of God? Because we're unified with him. The Old Testament saint may identify through faith, but cannot be unified by spirit. Oh, you didn't get that. You are unified by the spirit of God to the Father and to the Son. Amen? Praise God. That's good news. And most people haven't even got that revelation. They don't understand that revelation. They understand identification, but they don't understand unification. Jesus put that scripture back up there, Kirby. In that day, you will know. And what day? The day the Holy Spirit comes, the day that the Comforter comes, the day that the Helper comes. In that day, you will know. Praise God. we got to have some knowledge of this. Amen? He says that I am in my Father. And you are in me. And I am in you. Oh, glory to God. Can we lift our hands and give God praise? Hallelujah for that awareness. Amen. Praise God. Now let's turn over to the 17th chapter of the Gospel of John. These are all 
Jesus talking at the Last Supper. And he says this in verse number 11. He says, I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. Now, when we look at world, I've taught you this over and over again. He's not talking about terra firma. He's not, he didn't use the word earth here. He's talking about the system, the adorning, the system, the makeup. I am no longer in the system. He's about to leave. Amen. But they are in the system. They're in this evil world system, this evil age. And I am coming to you. Notice he's talking to his father. He's praying. This is his high priestly prayer. He says, Holy Father, keep me, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. So the high priestly ministry of Jesus and his desire is for the church to be one. And he's talking about the same. He's not just talking about unity with the Father and unity with the Son. The Holy Spirit has come to unify the body. Amen. Amen. Now this is where it gets sticky. See, Kevin gets to preach those good messages, you know, that make you shout and you're all happy. And I get to preach the hard ones. Because when you talk about unity, most people don't have an understanding of what that entails and what is the cost of it. They don't have any clue. We always wonder and pray why we're not seeing the things that we see and read in the book of Acts. Why we continue to say, oh, the revival is coming. The movement is coming. And in all actuality, it's because there is a severe lack of unity in the body. And a body cannot operate fragmented. That doesn't mean that we all necessarily believe the same thing. It doesn't necessarily that mean that we all have to walk in lockstep. It just simply means that we have to operate in the spirit of unity. That means understanding that we are all born of one spirit. We are all part of one body. We have one Lord, one faith, one ba- come on now, one baptism. Praise God, when we acknowledge those things, then we operate in what is known as the unity of the Spirit. We'll see it a little later in the Scripture. But notice this, that the word oneness and the word unity, that's what the word unity means. It means oneness. It means not just identified, but unified. That means that we are totally, see, my body that is up here is unified. Your body sitting in that seat is unified right now today. If there is a lack of unity within the body, we call that disease. Do you understand that? See, your body has to function with each member doing its part that causes the body to function properly. Because I can have something going on in my elbow that can affect my fingers. Do you understand what I'm saying? I can have something in my shoulder that can affect my entire arm. I can have something in my back that affects my legs. I can have something in my feet that affects my ability to be mobile and to walk and affects my knees. See, each part of the body is dependent upon the other parts of the body. And here is the problem. 
We have too many secret service saints. We have too many bedside Baptists. We have too many people that are not functioning within the body of Christ, nor taking their place where God has put them. And we've got people fighting because God made them an elbow and they want to be a finger. We've got people fighting over position and placement. And we have people that are not taking their place. And we wonder why this, this, this global move of God is, seems like it just kind of sputters, seems like it just feels like it's a carburetor that's set over the winter and you're trying to get it primed and pumped and it goes a little bit and we're all real excited. All of a sudden the church is filled and then the next week we're back where we are. And it's because of a lack of unity. Amen? Hello? It's just the truth. Now, I'm not talking about First Baptist. I'm not talking about Lakeside. I'm not talking about New Hope. I'm not talking about Church on the Move. I'm not talking, I'm talking about Lake Church. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of unity. The Holy Spirit has come to unify us with the Father and the Son, but the Holy Spirit is also here to unify the body. I need you, and you need me, unfortunately. Amen? Because God requires the body to walk in oneness. Now, if the Holy Spirit is the spirit of unity, then there must be spirits of disunity. And then we've got to talk about them. And it's going to get raw in this house. Amen? You're going to get chafed. But the Lord will heal you. You're going to get chafed. But, like I said, we have to take our place in the body. God has placed each and every one of you in the body as it has pleased him. Not as it pleased you, but as it's pleased him. So, therefore, if you're a foot, rejoice. If you're a kneecap, rejoice. If you're an ear or an eye, rejoice. And rejoice in the giftings of others, knowing that we are all tied together and that we flow together as one body. Amen? Okay, all right. Okay, are you sure you want this? Okay, so we have to understand that unity is never attacked from the outside. In fact, when it comes to the persecution of the church and the crises of the world that come against the church, they do nothing but unify the church. In fact, history shows us that when the ten Caesars attacked the church, the church grew and expanded. The church grew to a place of power. Why? Because of unity. It wasn't the persecution that did it. It was the unity that was the fruit of the persecution. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's many times when crises have hit 
the church and have hit this place, such as the fires and such as the flood and things of that nature, which served to solidify the church and cause the church to be stronger because of what? The element of unity that was brought in because of the situation. Oh, but my brother and sister, if we'll learn to operate in the spirit of unity when there is not a crisis, when there is not persecution. See, it's in times of ease when we're in our normal routine that unity kinds to seep out of the, the bottom of the church. Come on now. But when crisis comes, all of a sudden we're ready. Man, I love you. You're, you're, my, you're my brother. You're my sister. Come on now. That spirit of unity gets in there. And then all of a sudden great things happen. Now I'll give you an illustration. Back in 2016, November 2016, you know, 2016 was a rough year. We had been going through about three years of rough years. It was some rough, hard rowing. We were rowing. We didn't feel the wind of the Spirit. We didn't have the waves. We was just rowing. And the Lord began to speak to us about building a building, building our auditorium that we're in here today. But you know what? We were in no position whatsoever to do that. We were in no position financially, but we were certainly in no position spiritually whatsoever to do it whatsoever. We had situations going on that just went against the unity of the house and just caused all kinds of chaos and divisions and schisms. And guess what? The enemy used that situation and me succumbing to it, got attacked physically, got attacked in my body. And I'm here to tell you, and you can ask my wife, that I sat in my bed weeping, saying, I cannot bring Lake Church where it needs to go. I, I think it's over. I think it's done. And really, my life was in jeopardy because I had gotten, you know, um, a situation with heart condition that it absolutely looked absolutely impossible. No, I mean, I thought everything was lost. And the minute I had to go into the hospital for that situation, and knowing that my situation was what it was, I basically thought that all plans and all situations that we had, that we were believing God for and that we were praying for, were done. Absolutely done or postponed. How many have been in that spot? Where you just felt like it's done or it's just postponed and we're going to put it off another year, another two years, even if it happens at all. How many have ever had that mindset? Where you just say, you know what, it's done, let's just call it in, let's just stop it. And that's where I was. And in large part, that's where the church was as well. But when I got attacked in, the, in November 11th of 2016, something surprising began to happen. All of the schisms, all of the strife, all of the infighting that was in the church at that time stopped. Mm, don't look at me in that tone of voice. It's the truth. It stopped. Relationships began to be restored. Situations began to hit. Giving began to rise up. All of a sudden, there was a love in the house, and there was what? Unity. And guess what? We built, we expanded. We grew. Why? Because of the spirit of unity. 
Is it that the Holy Spirit just decided, well, I guess, you know, since he had that problem, I guess I'm going to have to go down there and do something about that, you know? I think I'm... No, he was there all along. We just weren't cooperating with the principle. Come on, are you getting a hold of this? We were not cooperating. See, we want revival. Don't we, don't we want a revival in our nation, and our community? Don't we want to see a move of God among us? Well, I'm giving you the solution to it. The enemy wants to keep you infighting, wants to keep you divided, wants to keep you fighting with one another, wants to keep you envious and jealous over one another and fighting over positions, wants to keep you in that. And he's done a real good job of it from the church worldwide. And I'm going to tell you what the three spirits are that are, that are attacking the church. And you're not going to like it because you're going to see them working in your life. I guarantee you because I saw them working in my life. Amen? So strap it on, baby. See, if unity is going to be destroyed, it's going to be destroyed from the inside. You've got to understand, it's an inner work. It's not an outer work. When things come against the church, the church just gets stronger. That's the way it's built. Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail. And that is the power of the church. But if a house be divided, how can it stand? If a house be divided, how can it stand? And the reason why most, if not all, churches in the United States have trouble seeing what the book of Acts says we should see. It's not because the music is lame. It's not because the preaching is lame. It's not because the Holy Spirit don't move down there no more. (laughs) It's because of disunity in the body. See, I have to bring this down to you. I have to talk to you. Amen? Now, I'm not saying this is a major problem here, but I'm telling you this is something that the Lord has told me to to speak to you about. Amen? Now, the word unity is the Greek word henetos, and it means oneness. It means a God-produced unity between believers. It means a harmony from sharing likeness of nature in the Lord. That means that I've been born of the same spirit, you've been born of the same spirit. Come on now. And that we are woven together by being birthed by the same Father and the same Spirit. Now, I might think differently than you. I might worship differently than you. I might believe certain things that are different than you. But we're both born of the Spirit of God if Jesus Christ is Lord of our life and we've received the new birth. So that means your family. Hello. 
That means we're connected. That means we're woven together. I don't care where you go and worship. I don't care who's your pastor. I don't care what you do or what you believe about eschatology and things of that nature. I don't care. What I do care about is that you're my brother. You're my sister. I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going, when you hurt, I hurt. When you have victory, I have victory. We're one. And that's what Jesus prayed for. Go put that scripture back up there, Kirby. That's what Jesus said. He said, which you have given me that they may be one, even as we are one. So if Jesus is making this the focal prayer in his transitional ministry from the cross to the throne, then I'm here to tell you it's a top priority for him. Jesus is still praying this prayer. But is the church praying this prayer? Hello? Come on now. I tell you what. There's no way God can build anything with church hopping, secret service, saints that can't stay anywhere for six months. I told you it was rough. I'm going to take, they put some Baileys in here for me to get me through. You guys are looking at me pretty rough, but it's the truth. Well, I'm looking for a church. No, you're not. That's not even biblical. You're looking for a sheepfold. You're looking for a shepherd. You're looking for who you hear the good shepherd through. Well, I need a church that meets the needs of my family. You know, I need good children's ministry. I need good youth ministry. And I just need them to meet my needs and to support what I support. After all, I'm a Republican. (laughs) That has nothing, there's no scriptural part of that at all. You're either called to a sheepfold or you're not. And the reason why you're not growing, sister, and the reason why you're not seeing what you want to see in your family is because you are uprooted and you're not planted where you're supposed to be planted. And you don't have the oversight over you that God ordained to be over you. We hate that. We think we like to jump from this meeting to that meeting, go here for a little while, and I'm going to go here for a little while. Come on. I'm telling you, it's dangerous stuff. And we wonder why we're not seeing unity. Hello? Unity requires faithfulness. It requires commitment. Things that are not prominent in the body of Christ. And we've got to cooperate with the spirit of unity. That means if God calls you to be with someone, you're there. Well, I don't like them anymore. Okay, who cares? Who cares? Jesus Jesus is not saying, Jesus, just go like this. Where I put you? You know what Jesus is going to say? Get over yourself. What if your kneecap said, 
I'm going to go over and be on in Joe's knee. I'm just going to hop up over your ankle. Your ankle said, oh, you know, I don't like this. I don't like this. He's heavy. I'm going to move. I'm going to move over. Well, they've already got an ankle. So what are you going to do? Compete with them over who's the ankle? And there's a lot that's going on in the church where we're competing over, well, I'm a better ankle than you are. I know this seems stupid and foolish in in talking about this stuff, but this is real-time stuff. This is keeping the Spirit of God from moving. Amen? Now, notice what uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 1 Corinthians 1 Verses 10 through 13 say this. Okay, let's, let's read this. He says, I appeal to you. Now that word appeal is very strong in the Greek. It means I implore you. I am appealing to you. It could almost be I'm begging you. Amen. Brothers. By the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You can't get any higher than that. He didn't say by the name of Paul. He didn't say by the name. You know, he said in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you heard your parents say that to you when you were doing stuff you shouldn't. I deplore you in the name of Jesus. Would you please stop this behavior? That's what he's saying. He's saying, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree. Hello. Now, he's not talking about conformity. See, he's talking about walking together in a place of unity, a spirit of unity. And if the house is going this direction, we go with the house. Amen? Amen? Now listen, he's not talking necessarily about doctrine even. He's talking about the fact that we need to agree that there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism... One body. Those are things we can all agree on. Can't we? we don't necessarily have to agree whether it's a pre-trib or post-trib or mid-trib. Or whether I'm an amillennialist or a post-millennialist or whatever. It, that, that doesn't matter. What we're to agree on is that we are born of God. And we are the family of God. And we are the army of God. And we have a place to function in. Amen? He says that you all agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you are to be united in the same mind and in the same judgment. Hello? This is vital and important to understand. This is Bible. This is the book. This isn't, doesn't say Greg Hurd underneath there. It says 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 10. Is the Bible the Word of God? 
then the Word of God states that He appeals to us. God the Holy Spirit is appealing through the Apostle Paul that we as a body should have the same mind, have the same judgment, and speak the same thing. That means we speak that Jesus is Lord. Jesus was born of a virgin. The blood of Jesus is powerful. We speak what the Bible says and what's proclaimed from the leadership. Amen? Hello? All right. Let's go to another. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. He says, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord, notice this strong language, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility. See, if you're going to operate in unity, you're going to have to operate in humility. Well, they don't do it the way I would do it. And I don't agree with everything that goes on down there. You're not operating in the spirit of humility. And you're not unified. Hello? See, when divisions and things of that come, they need to be dealt with. Amen? In humility. Well, you know what, Pastor, I'm having an issue with this. Well, praise God. I tell you what, those cups get denser and denser, don't they? (laughs) Amen. You could use that for a boat anchor. Come on now. (laughs) Amen. You used to just be like a little, you know, boom. I have to call someone to mess with the concrete. <laughs> Put some patch on it. Amen. In gentleness. Saying nasty things about leadership is not gentleness. I don't expect you to agree with me 100%. I don't expect that at all. And I don't expect me to agree with you either. But when it comes to functioning in unity, I am operating in humility towards you and in gentleness. That blankety blank this and that. Come on, there's people who do that. Call themselves believers. Amen? And we wonder why the Lord's just not moving. Oh, it gets worse, guys. It gets worse. It's all right. Brace yourself. Brace yourself. And with patience. See, we've got to have patience with one. If you're going to operate in unity, these are the three elements. Well, these are four elements that you've got. to Humility, gentleness, patience, and bearing with one another in love. You're going to have to operate in that. If you're going to operate in unity. Amen? Are these dominant characteristics in the church today? You answer that question. I can't answer it for you. But I can tell you from what I see. No! (laughs) Hello. 
Well, they don't know what my gift is. And you know what? If they knew who I was and what God had done in me, they would be... Well, the Holy Spirit doesn't move down there anymore. You want to know why? It's because of that pastor, you know. I can't believe he put that person in that position. I cannot believe the guy's a moron. Does that? I know it's not... And no, we're not ready to jump and run. I'm, I'm ready to run. Run away from you. <laughs> Amen. But notice what it says. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there are quarreling among you. My brothers, what it means is that each one of you says, I follow Paul. Well, I like it when Kevin's up there, but I don't know about that pastor. I follow Jesse. Hello. It don't matter who's up here. Because the Holy Spirit's the orchestrator of it all. See, you've got to learn that. We have people call, who's preaching this Sunday? With all humility, gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. You want to know why things aren't working in your life? There's your prescription. Amen. Hello. Well, he's just not my cup of tea or she's just not my cup of tea. You know, when Leela gets up there, she's just not my cup of tea. Well, guess what? She's the Holy Spirit's cup. Come on now. I want to speak in the truth and love. Amen. Hello. You've got to learn to receive. One of the major things that you've got to learn as a believer is learn to be a receiver. And you've got to be able to receive from all different kinds of vessels. Amen. Because God speaks through all kinds of vessels. There's diversity of operations and differences of administration. I think I read that somewhere. 1 Corinthians 12, if you want to go there. And if you can't learn to find and receive from different vessels, you are stunting your spiritual growth and development. You are going into a state of arrested development. Amen? Okay, all right. He says, I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. There's people that say, well, I don't follow any of them. I follow Christ. Don't understand unity, do you? You don't understand that we're woven together in one. Come on now. Is Christ divided? Notice that. Is Christ divided? Notice he's talking about Apollos. He's talking about Peter. He's talking about, is Christ divided? No. He is not divided. What is he showing? Those ministries are attached to Christ. They're parts of his body. So therefore, I can receive from Christ. Oh, you're not. Are you awake out there? I know this ain't Jericho marching time, but it's the truth. 
If you make adjustments and tweaks on this, your finances are going to change. Your whole dynamic of your life is going to change. There are people that come into this church. And I can see in the spirit, there's roots where their legs are at. And I can tell right then, those roots don't belong in this bed. They've got another pastor's marking on that. They need to be where... But there's also people that I know that come in here and I know they're supposed to be here. And I've told them that. Well, I don't know, Pastor. I don't know. I don't, you know, I've got to follow my own leading. No, that's a problem, following your own leading. You follow the leading of the Lord. I thought you were a Holy Spirit person. Come on now. Hello. Okay. All right. This is fun. Okay. Kevin will be back up next week. It'll be all right. He'll give that big, nice smile, and you'll feel good. Although he's been bringing, shucking the corn. Amen? How about Amen? Notice this. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called. He says, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. See, do you want peace in your life? You want peace to pervade in your life? Get into the spirit of unity. Stop railing and fighting against one another. Quit trying to compete and compare. Quit trying arrest yourself from being in some kind of race with your brother and sister. You want to be at peace? Bloom where you're planted. Stop griping about the bush that's next to you that seems to be keeping the sun off of you. Stop hopping and getting your root system out of one soil and hopping to another because of this and because of that. And let God grow you. Well, I don't necessarily like the series that they're doing this month. What kind of stinky fertilizer do you need to grow? Sometimes, sometimes it's the real stinky stuff that makes you grow the best. Hello. Amen. Hallelujah. There's one body and one spirit. He's talking about the unity of the spirit. The unity of spirit is not about doctrine. He talks about doctrine later on. He's talking about us being born of God as one body, as one spirit, praise God, the one Holy Spirit, just as you were called as one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. So therefore he is showing the weaving of the Holy Spirit. It weaves us together. God is with all. He is in all. He functions as overall. So therefore, your decisions are your decisions. 
Hello. There's people that would like to pick and choose. Their pastor, their mentor, their father in the faith. They'd like to choose. Listen, I got David Emi. I didn't choose David Emi. There were other selections that I wanted. Hello. But I love him, and he's my father. Amen. But you know what? There were instructors at Rama that I would have really liked to have been with and hooked up with. Come on, how many people? There's people that say this. Well, you know, Keith Moore is my mentor. And I said, well, do you know Keith Moore? No. Have you ever met Keith Moore? No, I've never met him. Hello. Listening to YouTube videos. Lord, Lord, help me here. Is not mentoring. And you're not being pastored by watching it online either. Hello? Come on, I'm going too far. Amen. Someone get the rope. Get the rope. Amen. In Ephesians 4, drop down to verse number 13. It talks about the goal or the the objective. Are you guys okay? Are we okay? The goal and the objective of ministry gifts. God gave all gave gifts to men, but he gave some. See, everyone is gifted. We're not all gifted the same way because we have gifts differing according to the proportion of faith. We all have a part of the body. We function as members within the body. So none of us have the full expression of Jesus. We have portions or pieces of an expression of Jesus within our ministries. And that's the reason why we're called to collectively operate together. Because when my portion comes with your portion, we begin to build the body of Christ. We begin to build, as, as Paul said in Ephesians, a habitation of God in the Spirit. See, when we come together, God likes to fill the corporate anointing. That's the reason why live church services will always prevail. They will always be the best. Why? Because God likes to fill a house. Now, what I'm talking about is not this building. I'm talking about you and I and all of us together. As we function together in peace together, God comes in a corporate way and build and fills the house. And there are things that you can get here that you can't get in your prayer closet, that you can't get in your prayer meeting, that you can't get in your home group. Amen? And so he's building us into something. Amen? He's building us into something, and he uses the fivefold ministry gifts to do this. The fivefold ministry gifts are not to do ministry. They're to equip you to do ministry. Do you understand that? So the goal of fivefold ministry is to get you operating in your God-given gifts and talents so that you can go out and make a difference in the world, but not irrespective of the house that you're called to. 
And here's people, I'm going to go and do ministry. And they don't even have a pastor. They don't even have a church that they can call their home. Well, I'm just doing my own thing, my own ministry. I don't need anybody. I don't need to be connected with anybody. I had a pastor on a video say this. Well, I haven't really been connected with anybody. Well, guess what? You are missing the boat. Bragging about it. Well, we're just on our own out here. That is wrong. That is not the Bible. That is not what the Scripture teaches, my friend. The Scripture teaches that we are not to forsake the assembling together. As the manner of some is. I don't know what is worse. Now, come on, come on. I don't know what is worse. Someone that doesn't come to church and knows that they should, or someone going to a church they're not called to and hiding in it. Hello? It's bad. It's bad. Amen. But notice it says, until we all come into the unity of the faith. Now, he's not talking about unity of spirit. He's talking about the unity of the faith. And that's where he's talking about the collective teachings of Jesus. Because he goes on and says this, and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Because what does the Bible teach us? The Bible teaches us the knowledge of the Son of God. And so we're all growing in our knowledge of the Son of God. Is that not right? Each one of us is in a different state of development in our knowledge of the Son of God. So that we mature to manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Amen? Now people will say, well, you know what? I just want to see power. I just want to see things exhibited. I want to see services where people are just ministered to. Okay? Well, first off, that's not, the way, that's not necessarily what God wants all the time in a corporate setting. See, here's, here's where we've got to get rid of this language. Well, the Holy Spirit really moved there this morning. God really showed up that service. Let me spank you right here. Just come over here and reel over. Let me spank you right where you need to be spanked. God shows up every time. The Holy Spirit is active and working right now as I am speaking and teaching to you because the ministry gifts are part of the Holy Spirit, dork. Here's what we think. Now listen, guys. I'm, I'm just being nice. We can have a whole lot of activity up front and not have a move of the Spirit. You, you, can, you can have people doing all kinds of things, square dancing up here, whatever. And you think, man, God moved. No. It's called a flesh carnival. 
Come on now. Just because someone cried out, just because someone yelled, just because someone, oh, God moved, God moved. You've got to learn to gauge it better than that. You've got to get a greater sensitivity to the Spirit of God to understand that. Otherwise, you're going to be distracted and, and enchanted by things that aren't even God. Hello. Right now, through the Word of God, God, the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. Right now. Right now. Every one of you is getting spoken to, whether you, whether you want it or not. Something's going on inside you. That shows that the Holy Spirit is working. Amen? And we can't get into this mindset that just because we, the preacher didn't, this is what they'll say. Well, the preacher didn't preach, and that's proof that God just took over the service. God is blessed whether the word is preached or whether we have a manifestation of the Spirit that doesn't involve preaching. His will's going to be done. But we can't say that one service is better than the other. Oh, we got to get rid of this stuff, man. It's junk. It's religious junk. Amen. Okay, it's about to get real good here. All right, so we want power. Well, how are we going to get power? Well, Psalm 133, 1 through 3 tells us about this power. It says, Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in what? Unity. If I'm in contention with my brother and sister, or if I'm in contention... You know, people will say this. They'll get offended about somebody or someone. Sometimes it's leadership. They'll get offended, and then all of a sudden they'll say the Spirit of God doesn't move anymore. No, that's not the truth. You have stifled the Spirit of God moving in your life because of your offense and your nasty, stinking attitude. And so you... Take your condition and try to place it on a whole entire body. And that is not the case nor the truth. We're having a good time. God is blessing us. And they'll sit there and they'll try to create problems in other people's lives. Well, did you notice that when Jesse got up there that the... Hello? What they're trying to do is they're trying to transfer their spiritual condition into other people, causing what? Disunity, which stifles the flow of God inevitably in a group or congregation. Amen? All right, I knew you'd like that. It says, it is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron. So here is the picture. It's the anointing of Aaron as the high priest. You and I are priests unto God. That anointing is upon our lives. And that anointing drips. And that anointing is a type of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. And the Holy Spirit comes. It begins at the top of the head and it begins to drip down. Now, it wouldn't drip down to the other parts if the other parts were off-shifted or fragmented or not there. So, therefore, 
the power and the presence of God in our corporate setting, not talking about your individual prayer closet, I'm talking about in our corporate setting, depends on unification and oneness in the body. That means that I'm here, I'm ready. You know, Paul said this in the uh, 14th chapter of 1 Corinthians. He said, when you come together, one of you has a tongue, one of you has an interpretation, one of you has a prophecy. See, you're coming to bring something. You're not coming to take something. You're not coming to see if something's going to go on the way I want it to go. You're here to bring something. And that's the reason why we say here, don't say, if someone asks you who's ministering today, you need to say, I am. Because I am one. Oh, come on now. I am one with the body I'm called to. Amen? Okay, all right. Now, I'm going to skip down, and we're going to look at uh, Jude 11. These are the three spirits of disunity. We got time for this? The three spirits of disunity. See, we've talked about Leviathan. We've talked about Jezebel. Man, she's really had a lot of YouTube messages on Jezebel. And we've had teaching on spirits that attack from the outside. But I told you that unity is never dissolved from the outside. Unity is dissolved from the inside. It's when people get corrupted in their personal walk with God and in their relationship with one another. And when those relationships get disrupted and they get corroded, and they get uh, negative, then all of a sudden, disunity begins to run rampant, and then the flow. I, you know, I, 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 I need to tell you this, but the quality of our services is not just dependent upon the musicians. The quality of a church service is not dependent upon who's bringing the message. We all have a part to play in the quality of his services. Now, let me prove that to you. Mark chapter 6, Jesus goes to his own hometown. It says, and he could there do no mighty work. It doesn't say that he wouldn't. It says he could not. Why? I thought he was God. He is 100% God, 100% man. But when he submitted to the waters of baptism with his cousin John, the Bible says as he came up, he was anointed by the Holy Spirit, just like you and I, to be an example of us in this life. Jesus operated as a man anointed by the Spirit. John, uh, uh, Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. So if he was operating in his deity, he wouldn't need an anointing. So he had to become a man, lay aside his deity, his powers, and submit to the will of God. He said, I can only do what I 
see my father do, I can only say what I hear my father say. Come on now. He was totally submitted. Understand that. When he went to his own hometown, he could there do no mighty work, except he laid a hands on a few sick folk, those with minor ailments, as the Greek says. And he marveled at what? Their unbelief. So belief, come on now, has everything to do with what God wants to do in your life. Not just individually, but corporately as a church. Was the Spirit of God on vacation when he went to his hometown? Did the Spirit of God say, oh, he's over there at the snack machine putting his coins in? No, he was right there. He was there all the time. And in fact, in another case where Jesus is preaching in his, some expositors say in his own home, in his own home, it says the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the doctors of the law crowded in to kind of circumspect and, and begin to investigate his teaching. And it said, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. But only one man that was brought in from the roof and laid down got his healing. And I guarantee you, if you're dealing with religious folk, you're dealing with sick folk. The power was there, but no one was accessing that power because of unbelief. Well, what if we decided the minute we get up on Sunday morning, the minute we get ready on Wednesday, when we get in our car from our workplace, to stir ourselves up and to begin to raise our expectations about what God is going to do in the corporate setting. I'm not talking about your individual. You should do that every day of your life. But I'm talking about when we come together corporately, God wants to do some tremendous powerful things. But if we would raise our standard, I think we'll begin to see the standard be raised. Amen? Now, notice these are three spirits. Verse 11. Now, Jesus, I'll give you the scriptural background for that. When I talk about spirit, I'm not saying that you're possessed of a spirit. I'm saying that there's an influence of a spirit in your life. Remember the disciples when they were rejected from Samaria, they came to Jesus and they said, listen, let's just call fire down on them. Let's just call fire. And Jesus said this. You don't know what spirit you are of when you said that. See, we can say things, and that's really what demonization is. It's under the influence of a spirit. It's not possession. It's under the influence of a spirit. And you can get under the influence of a spirit and say things that you don't mean. You know, get attitudes that you didn't walk in with. Come on now. And so what I'm saying is, is that these spirits... They operate in the church and they keep the church from flowing in unity. Amen. We're wanting unity. We're desiring unity. How many want the unity of the spirit? Hey, come on, five of you. Praise the Lord. Maybe we'll get the rest later here. So these are three spirits. These are the spirits that work within. Verse 11, woe to them. He's talking about false teachers working within the church. He says, they have traveled the path of Cain. Everybody say Cain. They have rushed headlong into the air of Balaam. Everybody say Balaam. And they have perished in Korah's rebellion. Everybody say Korah. 
So these three spirits are vital and important to understand. These are the ones that work within the church to create disunity and disharmony. These also will work within your home to bring disunity and disharmony. The one thing that we need to look at, and we can go to that first picture, is we need to look at the way of Cain. The way of Cain. Genesis 4 verses 1 through 26 is field. It's not something that you should pass over. It's something you should investigate and study out because it shows you the denigration of fallen man. It shows Cain starting off in communion with God and then being confused over an offering. Cain was confused over what he was giving to God and what he was doing for God. And there are people that are in the church that are confused as to why they're serving, why they're doing what they do, and they're confused about their offering. Everything's tied around what they do. Because they think that what they do has bearing on what God does for them. So they have a haphazard attitude and a self-sufficient attitude. They speak of God, but they do not trust God. Now notice this. The way is the word hodos in the Greek, and it just means a road. So the way of Cain or the road of Cain is this road that leads from self-sufficiency where I'm leaving an altar of my choice, of my works on the altar of God and saying, God, you must deal with me according to what I have done. Mm, That's a bad place to be. I said, that's a bad place to be. Cain is self-sufficient. He's works-based. He's confused over his offering and what he gives to God. And why? He will work for God, but he will not trust God. Oh my goodness, he'll show up and he'll do his job and helps ministry and stuff like that. But he has no relationship with God whatsoever. He thinks that's leverage. And they'll say things like this in their prayer life. Well, God, you know I've been there every time the door's open. Oh God, you know I've given an offering every time that bucket is passed. Oh God, you know I've given this and I've given that. That is the way of Cain. And the church is filled with people like that. Hello. It gets worse as we go. All right. Seeks to secure their own life unsubmitted to God's ways and believes that his offerings, his service, are means of leverage with God and the church. Dangerous. In Genesis 4, it says, in the process of time. That means that he didn't bring it at the appointed time. He didn't bring it when God wanted it brought. He didn't do it when God wanted it done. He brought it in his time when he thought it was ready. And there's a lot of people that treat church that way. They walk in the door and they think that we should just almost just get the trumpets out, you know, and there should be a big parade. They're doing us a service by even being here. Oh, my goodness, Siri's even talking back to me. Come on now. 
It's like they serve in one capacity for the first time, and it's like, did you see what I did? Hello. No, we need consistent, faithful, day in, day out people. That's who God rewards. Abel brought his offering that was required when it was required. Cain chose when he went to church. And a hush comes over the audience. Cain chose. You know. Someone comes into town, you know, we, we, we tell them all about Jesus 365 days, but when they come to visit us, we don't go to church because we want to spend time with them. What kind of message are we sending to them? Teaching people that birthdays are over the, the work of God. Come on, Dan, come on, sports. We do all kinds. Cain does that. Cain does that. That doesn't have no, It's carnal. Amen? Okay, they get worse. Okay, here's the next one. Here, give me the next one there, Kirby. The era of Balaam. Now, the word error there is pleno in the Greek, and it means wandering. Just as Cain is a wandering, this is a different type of wandering. Because on all actual, if you read the account, Balaam was hooked up with God. He heard from God. He prayed and God would meet him. He would do sacrifices and God would show up and talk to him and tell him what to do. And for the most part, he did it. But he was a prophet for hire. And he taught compromise to Balak so that he could undermine Israel. So Balaam was a prophet for hire, a compromised servant. And I tell you, the church is filled with a lot of compromised servants. They want to serve God, but they're under the sway of different influences. They're the ones that worship and serve and and lift their hands up on Sunday. But on Monday, they're doing yoga. On Tuesday, they're reading their horoscope. On Wednesday... They're hooked up in all kinds of different kinds of so-called white witchcraft. Come on now. They're into all kinds of different things. They're into all kinds of different philosophies. They're into all kinds of different... Because they're for hire. I got to know these things because I may need to use them for my gain and my purpose. And especially the things of God they'll use for their gain and their purpose. They'll try to leverage relationships to get business deals. Hello? I'm telling you, these are ones that are destroying the disunity in the church. They teach others the way of compromise by living a lifestyle free of commitment and consistency while still claiming to be spiritual. I'm telling you, hopping around. Well, you know what? I I went there for about six months, and then I'm over here now. But here's the funny thing, and please don't get mad at me. If you've ever said this to me, I'm not pointing you out. But when you tell me that God has already told you how long you're supposed to be somewhere, you're not hearing from God. Because God don't work that way. 
God works when the process is done, not a date. Hello? Well, will I ever be able to leave? I can hear somebody. Will I ever be able to leave? Yeah, when the Lord. Hello? I wanted to leave Word of Life. Golly, you can ask my wife. Every day for years. I wanted to do what I was called to do. But the Lord wouldn't let me. And he never gave me a date. He never said this or never said that. And people are wondering, well, you know what? I'm only supposed to be here six months. I'm only supposed to be here a year. I'm only supposed to be here two years. You're not hearing from the Lord. First off, how can you become a part of a body and exercise the faithfulness and exercise the consistency that's necessary for unity if you're going to... See, people like to think they're free agents, like in sports. I'm just coming to show up, play a few games, you know. Here here we are, you know. That ain't the way it works. God is a crockpot cooker. He is not a microwave maker. He doesn't do stuff in the microwave. Amen? Okay. They claim to be spiritual. Well, you know, I'm spiritual whole. Yes. Hallelujah. But they, they're not consistent. They got their roots out, out you know, dragging the ground. They're sheep with a brand on them, but it don't match where they're at. There's people that come here. They got a different brand. I know immediately when they got a different brand. I don't call them. I don't encourage them. Come on. People will say, well, does pastor call everybody that visits the church? Sometimes. Because sometimes you're just coming here because you're curious. Sometimes you're coming here because you're mad at your pastor. Oh, this is rough. I think I'll just sit here and <laughs> this is rough stuff here. Okay. Preach on, brother. Preach on. Hallelujah. I have to give myself props. But here's the thing about Balaam's. They can manifest spiritual gifts. They can prophesy, they can even give words of knowledge, words of wisdom, they can even operate and pray for you and things happen. But their character does not match their gift. And in fact, you think, because they can do and operate this way, that their behavior and their patterns of behavior are something that God condones and he does not. God used a donkey. He still uses them today. I'm proof. Amen? Spiritual maturity and spiritual gifting don't always walk hand in hand. Okay? But their heart is far from the Lord and their character is not worth following. These are spirits that are in the church. Next one, last one. And I bet you're saying, praise God. <clears throat> but the rebellion of Korah, or if you look it up in the Greek, the gainsaying of Korah. 
These are people that attack authority with their mouth. Hello? They attack all kinds of authority. Mama, daddy, boss, pastor, president, everybody. They just attack it with their mouth. They can do nothing right. There's nothing good that they've ever done. There's, and the whole purpose of it is to see whether or not there's a transfer of power to them. Because they think they can do better. Well, you know what? I can do better than that. You know, if I, if I were in his spot, I would do this. The armchair quarterbacks. Amen? And so these are people that have authority issues. They don't like authority, period. They want to live their own lives. They don't want to submit to anything. And they certainly don't want to be accountable to anybody. Don't be looking into my life, brother. Lead me when I just want to be led. When I feel like being led, then I'll let you lead me. Not through the tough places. Not through the fact that I'm having all kinds of trouble in my life. You don't want to say, tell the truth. You don't want the truth told to you. If you're Cora, you don't want to know that you've got issues and problems. You want everybody to candy coat it. Give you a little scripture band-aid. Instead of looking in deep. And saying you've got authority issues, and because you have authority issues on the uh, in the church, you've got authority issues with God. Uh, people don't like that. They don't like that, but it's the truth. Because how can I be submitted to God if I'm not submitted to godly Lord, godly authority that's in my life? There's absolutely no way. See, and people need to understand that God works through that power structure. And so we've got people that are not in church, that are just kind of going hopping around from church. They can't tell you who their pastor is. Well, I go and listen to, well, that's not a pastor. Well, I enjoy the teaching of, that's not a pastor. Okay, all right, let's get this over with. They used their mouth to criticize and tear down godly authority. That's what Korah did. He said, you know what, Moses, he thinks he's hot stuff. He says, you know what, I'm a priest too. God talks to me too. Why does he get to say all the stuff? Why does he get to do this stuff? Why is he in charge? They have authority issues. Because they are rebels. You want to know the number one reason why the church isn't functioning the way it's supposed? Because we're still acting like a bunch of rebels. All right. One more. They are power hungry. And they do not walk in the areas of submission and obedience. But they want you to. Hello. It's the truth. This is what is disrupting the flow of the Holy Spirit. Did you know that the Bible talks about grieving the Holy Spirit? Nothing is more grievous than these three things. In fact, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, look it up. I believe it's the sixth chapter. 
It says that God hates, that it is an abomination to him. For there to be someone that creates discord or disunity. He hates it. It is deplorable to God. Well, guess what? I need to repent. How about you? I said, I need to repent. How about you? Because guess what? I've operated in these at different varying degrees and levels in my life. And I know if you're human and you're breathing, you know, oxygen today, you've operated in them as well. But it's time to kick these things to the curb. It's time to sweep them out of the house. God wants to do something great in this congregation. And he's called you to be a part of it. And there are people, new people, right now, I'm saying this by the Spirit of God, I'm not manipulating or anything. There are people that have just recently been coming, that have been deciding and praying about coming. And the Lord is calling you to be a part of this house. He's calling you to plant your roots here because he wants you to grow and flourish and bear fruit. And not only fruit in your individual life, but fruit within the corporate structure. God has a place for you here. And it's time to answer the call. It's time to say, yes, Lord, I will submit myself and bring myself in. Because I know that to exist the way I was designed to exist, I must dwell in the spirit of unity. And as I dwell in the spirit of unity, then it aligns all of the troubled areas of my life. Things that are not even associated with the church here will come into alignment. Your body will come into alignment. Your relationships will come into alignment. Your business will come into alignment. Those new uh, customers will come into alignment. All of a sudden, the favor, the grace, and the mercy that comes with unity will begin to manifest individually and corporately as we make a decision not to function in these spirits. Amen? Father, I pray for each and every one of our people here today, and I thank you, Father God, for your grace and your mercy. I thank you that you've led us today and brought us into a very tough conversation. But we are people who repent and turn and decide to go the way of Jesus on this situation and be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. I come against any harassing spirits that would try to bring confusion, try to bring division, try to bring strife in regards to these things. And I thank you that the Spirit of God is here bringing forth the spirit of unity within each and every heart so that we can cohesively function together so that God can be glorified at 4851 and draw all men to the risen Jesus that is proclaimed from this place in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. I know this was rough, but rough is good. Amen. You're not going to get anything polished to a fine shine unless you put some grit on it. And there's been some grit applied. 
But if you're here today and you came because you need Jesus, or you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or you need healing in your body, or maybe you're being harassed by spirits and you need deliverance today, well, the ministers are going to be up here at the close of service, and they're going to be here to pray with you about anything that might be hindering your life or causing opposition in your life. And praise God, they're powerful men and women of God that can help and assist you get to the place of victory. Amen? So I'm going to close this out. God bless you for hearing this message, but be a doer of the message. Think on this message. Meditate on your notes if you took notes. Meditate on your notes if you took them in your head. Amen? Praise God. Think about these things because these things are detrimental to your spiritual development and growth. We want you flourishing. We want you prospering. We want you, uh, your, your health to spring forth. And these things will keep you bound. Amen? So let's be free of them. Amen? Hallelujah. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.